Hello and welcome to Poetry Blokes, the podcast where one bloke likes poetry and the other doesn't. I'm Matthew Adamo, failed novelist, third-rate poet, and now a beleaguered poetry teacher. And I'm Rich Gochran, a moderately successful engineer and lifelong lover of things that actually matter, like football, cricket, and the ability to make stuff out of wood. I don't hate poetry, but I do think it's a loss of words, in a confusing order, to say very little. Join us in this series of podcasts as we rummage into the recesses of Rich's mind, pull forth any literary force that may be lying dormant, and see if the world's most literal man can acquire the soul of a poet. He doesn't even believe in souls, so I've got my work cut out already. This week we're looking at Macavity the Mystery Cat by T.S. Eliot. Macavity's a mystery cat. He's called the Hidden Paw. For he's the master criminal who can defy the law. He's the bafflement of Scotland Yard, the flying squad's despair. For when they reach the scene of crime, Macavity's not there. Macavity, Macavity, there's no one like Macavity. He's broken every human law. He breaks the law of gravity. His powers of levitation would make a fakir stare. And when you reach the scene of crime, Macavity's not there. You may seek him in the basement, you may look up in the air, but I tell you once and once again, Macavity's not there. Macavity's a ginger cat. He's very tall and thin. You would know him if you saw him, for his eyes are sunken in. His brow is deeply lined with thought, his head is highly domed. His coat is dusty from neglect, his whiskers are uncombed. He sways his head from side to side with movements like a snake. And when you think he's half asleep, he's always wide awake. Macavity, Macavity, there's no one like Macavity. For he's a fiend in feline shape, a monster of depravity. You may meet him in a by street, you may see him in the square. But when a crime's discovered, then Macavity's not there. He's outwardly respectable, they say he cheats at cards and his footprints are not found in any file of Scotland Yards. And when the larder's looted, or the jewel case is rifled, or when the milk is missing, or another peak's been stifled, or the greenhouse glass is broken, and the trellis past repair, aye, there's the wonder of the thing, Macavity's not there. And when the Foreign Office find a treaty's gone astray, or the Admiralty lose some plans and drawings by the way, There may be a scrap of paper in the hall or on the stair, but it's useless to investigate. Macavity's not there. And when the loss has been disclosed, the Secret Service say, it must have been Macavity, but he's a mile away. You'll be sure to find him resting or a licking of his thumbs or engaged in doing complicated long division sums. Macavity, Macavity, there's no one like Macavity. There never was a cat of such deceitfulness and suavity. He always has an alibi and one or two to spare. At whatever time the deed took place, Macavity wasn't there. And they say that all the cats whose wicked deeds are widely known, I might mention Mungo Jerry, I might mention Griddlebone, are nothing more than agents for the cat who all the time just controls their operations. The Napoleon of crime. So, Rich, what's that all about? Now, I'm led to believe this is quite a famous poem. It is. One of the ones used for the 
There's a basis for the unit called Cats. Oh, really? That's not new information to you. Well, I'm aware of the musical Cats, but as you know, I detest musicals, so I know very little about it. I didn't know you detested musicals. Has that not come up? Ah, I thought it's come up several times, because I know you're a big fan of musicals. Yeah, I am, actually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like an anomaly in my personality. So if everything was in song and dance, my heart would be full of joy, but as it isn't, life's a misery. Just love the whimsy. I do, yeah, I do. Yeah, I wouldn't have said you hated them. I don't think we've ever had a conversation about it, really. Well, my problem with musicals is that there's too much singing, but then that, of course, is the point of a musical. So that's why I don't really like musicals. But it's like, you, you know, the plot moves along, and you're like, okay, that's interesting. And then someone just bursts into song, you're like, really? Now? Yeah, now? I quite like that, though. I sing quite a lot, though, actually, in life, generally. If you were to, I mean, you, you have lived with me. Um, but I sort of narrate my life in song when I'm on my own. <laughs> do you do this at work? Now that I'm working at home, yes, but like not on calls. I don't sing. La. I don't sing instructions to people. <laughs> That'd be excellent. It would be. I told uh, my wife that this was our chosen poem, and she informed me that this is the basis of Cats. I've never actually seen Cats, the stage production, or the recently released film. The so. widely panned film. Cats with thumbs. I suppose I should give you my general vibe, should not really? Yeah. This is a story of police incompetence that yes it's quite an annoying poem actually is that because of the number of foul ups there are in the procedure just the whole concept really of macavity of macavity of a cat based world is it's quite an irritating <laughs> concept isn't it this idea do you reckon they're all cats in this world or is everyone sort of largely human and then macavity is just a cat with a few other famous cats knocking around. Well, I'm assuming that these are human investigators. And basically, they're poor detectives, and so they're passing everything off on a magical cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, reading it through, it's quite nice to read. Like, it's quite a, yeah. it's quite a jaunty little number, isn't it? Um, yeah, unlike um, Elliot's other works, such as The Wasteland, which is um, in- extremely famous, but also a, a bit of a slog. Is it? That might offend some people, though, because there's a massive Elliot sort of fanboy and fangirl community. You just call them fans. Fan community. Yeah. Community of fans. Fan- <laughs> fandom. Fandom. <laughs> massive Elliot fandom. This is more jaunty, for sure, than The Wasteland. I mean, Wasteland sounds more in keeping with my general life outlook. I sort of selected this poem because I know you have strong feelings about cats. Yeah. Particularly in the current moment. So I thought it might annoy you, and I thought that might be funny. <laughs> You're obviously making reference to the triumvirate of hate between me, the pigeons, and the cat. Yeah, we touched on this in a previous episode, didn't we? And I, I thought the idea of a mystery cat would probably annoy you. And I was right, because you, you don't hold cats in very high esteem. No, this is where people get me wrong, right? I've got no problem with cats. It's cat owners that I have an issue with. Oh, okay. Why is that? Because they don't control the cats. They don't take any responsibility for the actions of an animal that they've brought into your domain. They just go, oh, it's a cat. What can you do about it? Which is kind of true, but you could do something about it. You could come and pick up all the shit that your cats put all over my lawn, for example. <laughs> you know, there are actions you could take to clean up after your cat. I think cats are quite cool. I like their approach to life. The thing I like about cats is they maintain eye contact with you while they're doing stuff that they know annoys you. Mm. And I, I really, I've got a lot of time for that. It's quite funny. Oh, they're proper dickheads. <laughs> Yeah, big time. yeah, but 
that I do have a bit of respect. And as previously said, we're an uneasy standoff with the cats because they're keeping the birds at bay. And I don't like the birds either, the pigeons. Number one, because they poo on my car. Yeah. And number two, pigeons are just so boring in the bird world. There's so many interesting birds out there. Pigeons are just fat and stupid. Yeah. Birds of prey are cool. Yeah, that's true. That's it. That's all I got on birds, really. So we haven't spoken in a while. We've already gone way off piece. Yeah, we're talking about a mystery cat, Rich. Come yeah, on. Sorry. Those of you who listen regularly will be aware that my wife was pregnant. She's now no longer pregnant because we have a baby. Because uh, that's how that works. So I've been under time pressure in my ability to read and analyse in inverted commas for this poem. It's had a very cursory read. <laughs> <laughs> Why change the habit of a lifetime? I mean, yeah, but if you think it's cursory, usually, wow, was this one brief. Are you aware that McCavity is a cat and he's ginger? Because I feel like those are the main points of this poem. So yeah, I've got that. And he's been accused of lots of crimes. So first stanza, it sort of sets out that he's a cat. That's cool. That's fine. Don't know why he's a mystery cat, necessarily. He's called the Hidden Poor, which they never then reference again. Doesn't call him the Hidden Poor ever again in this poem. So he's not. He's mm-hmm. called McCavity. It's not a famous nickname, though. No. So I'm guessing that he's put that in there really for the rhyme with law, I guess. Yeah. He's the bafflement of Scotland Yard, the flying squad's despair. For when they reach the scene of the crime, or the scene of crime, McCavity's not there. So in the first stanza, it's already setting out my problem with this poem <laughs> yeah do you think the flying squad turn up to many crime scenes where the criminal is still exactly still there in the i act? mean who are these people where if they get to a crime scene and the, the criminal is no longer there they just throw their hands up and say no idea lads <laughs> no idea. it was a it was a cat it was a cat <laughs> it was that cat is that ginger cat <laughs> that pesky ginger cat again and that's the theme throughout right the authorities want him to be there and he's not not being at the scene of the crime when the police arrive does not make you a master criminal. It makes you like a normal level human being. Not even a criminal, because if you're a criminal because you're not at a scene of the crime, then literally everyone, <laughs> except the small people who commit crimes, are criminals. It's madness. It's yeah. madness that way. So it's Chaos very, that way lies. Being a police officer would be very easy if you just turned up and they're always there. Do you have a premier product or sensational service that Poetry Bloke listeners would love? Advertise with us to reach an audience who love to laugh, are obviously very cool and sophisticated, and have immaculate taste. I mean, they're here listening to this gold, aren't they? Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash advertising to advertise with us today. So basically, whoever is writing this, T.S. Eliot, is describing incompetent police. And in order to cover their incompetence, they're making out as though he's magic. Because he can levitate. Because he can break every law, including the law of gravity. His powers of levitation would make a fakir stare. Didn't really understand that, Matt. I know what a fakir is, sort of in the roughest sense. But I don't know if I'm missing something. Is there, is there some deeper meaning there? No, I just think it's like ooh, a fakir is a figure that can do stuff that you think is impossible. But even he is looking at McCavity and his powers of levitation. He's just looking at this ginger mog just floating in front of him, being like, bloody hell, you don't see that every day. Fair enough. And he just bangs on about McCavity not being there again. You may seek him in the basement. After a crime's been committed, the first place I always check is the basement. And then after that, I check the sky. 
And if it's not there, <laughs> I just assume it's an unsolvable mystery. <laughs> Case closed. They're gone. They're just They're gone. gone. There's nothing you can do about it. They live in the same world as the cat owners that you despise. People that just, well, that's it. Yeah. Well, nothing so, we can do sorry. about that. Sorry, no, literally nothing we could do about that. Shut up, shut up. I quite like the physical description of Precavity as like some sort of film noir, hard-boiled detective lead. Brow is deeply lined with thought, his head is highly domed, his eyes are sunken in, his coat is dusty from neglect, and his whiskers are encombed. I think he's got like a whiskey habit or something, for the sounds of that. Yeah, so he's very tall and thin, all the best people are. You would know him if you saw him. Well, yeah, you would know him if you saw him. He's a cat. He's levitating. He's a levitating cat who's wearing a coat. (laughs) How many of those are there around? Not many. He's that cat that's been accused for all crimes crimes. being committed in England. (laughs) It seems like you could pick him out of the lineup pretty easily. (laughs) It does have a sort of film noir vibe to it. Are you sort of being swayed by the films? 1939. So I feel like film noir sort of started just after that. So I don't know. Tough year, that, wasn't it? 39? Yeah. yeah. You think you're having a bad <laughs> yeah. year this year? Try living in 1939. Or 1918. This is the end of the war and then the flu epidemic. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was a bad one. It explains the Roaring Twenties quite nicely, though. First World War, flu epidemic, 1919 you get settled, 1920, all bets are off. We're smoking, <laughs> we're drinking, we're shagging. Going it's all hog go. wild. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who's... So watch out. Roaring Twenties, here we come. I'm looking forward to it in a couple of years' time. I'm going to go hell for leather. Well, hell for probably leather. Probably not, not with, a, with your wife and child. Wife and child. But, you know. <laughs> from the sidelines, cheering people on. He has to learn to fend for himself at some point. It may as well be in the next two, three years. <laughs> so, uh, McCavity, the last line that made me laugh, when, when you think he's half asleep, he's always wide awake. So he's got two lazy <laughs> eyes, which is unfortunate <laughs> for any individual. So he's a funny-looking... Better. But I did, it did get me to thinking, if they know what he looks like and he's so distinctive as this, it should be pretty easy to find him. I agree, yeah. Yeah. So we just point fingers again at the competency more, of Flying Squad. More police incompetence. And I, you know, the Flying Squad, are, I'm surprised, honestly. <laughs> I've seen enough TV programs to know that they should be better than this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've always wondered why they're called the Flying Squad. I don't know. It's a great name. I don't know, actually. I just always assumed it was because they just get dispatched, like, you know, straight away on something. So they sort of fly to somewhere. But I don't know. The squad bit's quite obvious. <laughs> yes, that's true, yeah. <laughs> that bit, I understood. It wouldn't work as well if they were called the police squad, for example, would it? No, but great, great TV programme. <laughs> that was the precursor to Naked Gun, wasn't it? Police squad. Police Academy? No, police squad, the TV show. Oh, yes. No, yeah, yeah, right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What film? Oh, fuck. It's quite hard. I'm... <laughs> Can you tell that? My You've brain... lost it. You Can lo- you tell that my brain's not firing on all cylinders? <laughs> I didn't want to say rich, but... I've only had about... Two hours sleep. I've had three hours sleep last night, and I've had an hour's nap uh, about an hour ago. So I'm a bit foggy. You're right. I think I can carry this one. Yeah? I think so. I mean, it's rare. It's normally the other way around. But um, yeah, I think this one, I can do it. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, <laughs> fourth stanza. McCavity, McCavity, there's no one like McCavity. So once again, they're highlighting how unique an individual he is. And yet, they're unable to apprehend him. This levitating cat. I'm saying unable to apprehend him. 
far as I can tell, so far, there's no evidence to suggest he's done any wrongdoing. So Yeah, innocent until proven guilty. Exactly. Um, big advocate of that. For he's a fiend in feline shape and a monster of depravity. I would like some more information on what... They're just scapegoating McCavity here and slagging him off. Yeah, they are. You see it more and more as the poem goes on. Like, again, the Foreign Office, they'd lose a treaty. The Admiralty lose some plans. And it's just... Literally, it's useless to investigate. McCavity's not there. Fucking witch hunt. Absolute witch hunt. Imagine if he just turned around at work and said, don't even bother. Like, Why? <laughs> yeah, I like that. I underlined that line. But it's useless to investigate. Well, imagine the police saying that. Nah, no point in yeah. investigating this one. It was a McCavity fella. Where is he? Don't know. Open, <laughs> open and shut case, this one. <laughs> that magic ginger cat again. Yeah. You're shit. <laughs> <laughs> But they know where to meet him as well. You may meet him in the by street. You may see him in the square. So he's always knocking around. They always know where he is. Uh, but when a crime's discovered, McCavity's not there, further indicating that he cannot have been implicated in the crime. <laughs> he's not linked. <laughs> he's not linked in any way. Why, why are they blaming him? He's levitating in an alley. You've said it yourselves. Yeah. He's in a back street levitating. He's just knocking around, being depraved. Ask the fakir if he's seen him. <laughs> yeah. There's other people here to be questioned. Other lines of inquiry. And my suggestion to whoever is investigating this case, as in all cases, all organised crimes, you have to follow the money, Matt. Yes, that's true. You have to follow the money. I know that one of your favourite things in the world is tax. (laughs) He's probably, check those returns. You've got to check those tax returns. He must be cooking the book somehow. That's how they always get them, isn't it, through the taxes? That's how they've got Capone. it's, I just feel like it's so underwhelming, isn't it? Let's run a whole huge empire. It's like, you haven't filed your taxes properly, and that's how we're going to bring you down. Yeah. I like it. I like that's how they get you. Uh, I would rather see a film like that. I'd rather see a film about somebody, <laughs> somebody's tax return. I'm so fed up of seeing shootouts and car chases. It's so unrealistic and boring because every, every film's the same. Give me a film where they go in detail through somebody's tax return find irregularities and then charge them in court of law. Let's bring this cat down. So there'd be a film and say for like 24 minutes there's just sort of like a holding shot on a clerk in the 1940s just going through papers and then he just goes, oh that doesn't look right and then straight to a court scene and then throw him in jail. Done. But I want no drama. I want to see him at that desk and like I said a long shot and then no like eureka moment just realisation, slow and steady, thorough investigation, doing the sums, showing the, the, the discrepancies. And then, as you said, your shot of him going to the court or cut, cut to the court. Your Honour, here are the facts. Guilty. Courtroom drama. Maybe then, Matt, this could be our next project after the podcast. We, <laughs> we could write a film based on the downfall of McCavity the cat, based on his tax irregularities. <laughs> Or even better, a witch hunt against McCavity, like a tense thriller where he's being framed for loads of crimes. Maybe he's defended by a plucky young lawyer who has to battle it out in an American court to prove McCavity's innocence. Yeah, I've got the pitch for the studio. Here it is, really. Yeah. Think primal fear, but with a magic ginger cat. Who could say no? (laughs) Invest now. If anybody would like to help us crowdfund this project. Absolutely. Get in touch. <laughs> oh, we could have cameos and we could be like the uh, members of the flying squad and we just turn up to a crime scene and no one's there. We'd be like, my cavity. <laughs> oh, all right, Governor. He's, <laughs> he's fled the scene once again. 
There you go. Do you have any clues? None at all. It must be my cavity. <laughs> <laughs> Did you check the basement? That's the first place <laughs> we were at- in, Gaffer. And then we checked Look the sky. Up. Yeah, also not there. <laughs> it wasn't neither of them. Oh, it's an open, uh, open and shut case. I love the bit where it says, uh, it must have been McCavity, but he's a mile away. There's literally facts saying it must have been him, but he's one <laughs> mile away from the crime scene. I mean, it's horrendous. It's awful police work. But outwardly, he's respectable. So not only this, they say he cheats at cards. So largely, not only are they investigating him for crimes that the evidence suggests that he isn't involved in, but there's also slander. Really. Yeah, I mean, these, these are the same people who are saying that he's committing all these crimes. No evidence. No evidence to say he's cheated at cards. Yeah. This just smacks of sour grapes to me. If we were in court in the US, we'd say, objection, hearsay. And then you as the judge would say... Sustained. Thank you, Euron. <laughs> Did you check the sky? <laughs> no, but I spent a good hour in the basement. <laughs> so his footprints are not found in any file in Scotland Yards, so for, the, for no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. Right, now we'll go into a list of crimes. Now, this is something, if you've listened to any of those sort of true crime podcasts, you know that in the US, when somebody admits to a crime or goes for a plea deal or, or they get somebody in charge of them, they often try and throw on loads of additional charges and other crimes and lump them all in together and charge them with one big, to drown people in, in litigation, but also just to help close off some cases that they got floating around. And that's what they seem to be doing here, because the range of crimes that they accuse him of being involved in are absurd. So let's just start at the top. The looting of a larder. Yep. Relatively minor misdemeanor, I'd say. Stealing a loaf of bread. It's not really a major crime, is it? It's not organised crime level crime. A dual case is rifled. Again, theft. Not, not great, but fairly low level. Theft of milk. A peak's been stifled. I don't know what that is, if I'm honest. Capital P as well. Yeah, no idea what that is. Let me do a bit of Googling. Keyboard warning. What's Matt Googles? Today, I'm drinking half a pint of a little-known brewery called Guinness. A little Irish number. I must say, I think it could prove to be very popular. A peak yep. is another word for a Pekingese dog. Oh. I never would have expected that. So someone's nicked a dog and they blamed the cat. This doesn't add up to me, Rich. <laughs> so there we go. Right. But anyway, dog theft, big problem in the UK, actually, I'm led to believe. Uh, sorry, actually, another peak's been stifled. Yeah. What does that mean? What kind of crime is that? He hasn't let it express itself. It's <laughs> a very flamboyant Pekingese. My cabbage just lifts his paw up and puts it on his lips. No. Shh. Now's not the time. Time and a place. I will report you. So anyway, again, minor crime. There's then some antisocial behaviour, greenhouse glasses broken, trellises past repair. I mean, that just sounds like wear and tear to me. If a trellis degrades, the trellis is crap, isn't it, really? Although, actually, this is the one crime that I would pin on a cat because, in all seriousness, the trellis at the end of my garden is in absolute state and I'm not the one who's climbing over it. I'll tell you who is. Well, you've guessed it. It's the cat. 
<laughs> I was on tenter hooks there for so long. <laughs> oh, who's it going to be? No, it's the cat. It's next but you the led cat. me a merry dance. Anyway, so that's the one thing that maybe, yeah. But all oh, low-level crime. The next stanza, we've gone from minor, I'd say misdemeanors, small petty crimes to treason. Yeah. He's stealing a treaty from a foreign office, which I don't know what that achieves. What good is a treaty on the black market? Well, maybe he's on the take from another foreign power oh, so who doesn't want the treaty to take place. He's involved in espionage. Yeah, or some sort of arms smuggling. Oh, well, it makes sense, actually, because Secret Service are involved. So some degree of, of espionage and domestic, what's the word? Treachery, Treachery. chicanery. He's really upgraded his crimes over the course of one stanza. The Admiralty lose some plans and some of the drawings. Poor governance. Yeah, don't... Really? Yeah. You know. Have a centralised file for that. 1939 is not the year you want to be losing Admiralty plans. Not the rise of fascism in Europe, Matt. Is that what aspersions they're casting against McCavity that he's in with the fascists? Oh, I don't know. Seems strong on the basis of these crimes. Seems strong given that he's not been near anything. Except down an alley, levitating. He's literally one mile away, as they've said. <laughs> and then in the, like, the final stanza, he always has an alibi and one or two to spare. Because he's not there. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> him. It wasn't him. It's like now it's like, oh, this guy's always got an alibi just on CCTV <laughs> at different establishments where the crime wasn't taking place. I'll tell you what, he's a real piece of work, that McCavity. <laughs> he's never there. He's always got alibis. There's nothing to link into the scene of the crime. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> It was definitely him. That fakir's in his pocket. <laughs> pocket of his dusty coat. Not only that, when they do bump into him and they do see him, he's not performing any illegal activity. He's resting, licking his thumbs, both of which are perfectly reasonable things to do, all doing complicated long division sums. He's a clever cat. Yeah, he's brainy. You know, pushing the boundaries of what the feline world know about mathematics. Andy Galevitate. <laughs> Yeah. He's a cat of many talents. I also like the way, obviously, throughout this poem, everybody just casting aspersions against McCavity. And then they go, there never was a cat of such deceitfulness and suavity. So he's, he's also, he's deceitful, but also very suave. Yeah, or is he? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Nobody knows. And they say that all the cats whose wicked deeds are widely known, Munga Jerry and Griddlebone, are nothing more than agents for the cat who all the time just controls their operations, the Napoleon of crime. I mean, quite a finger to point without any evidence, without a shred of evidence. It's almost like it's written now, like in the post-truth era of just yeah. finger pointing with no evidence. Yeah. Poor McCavity. What an era to live in, eh? My heart goes out to McCavity. I just feel like he's wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I suppose this goes back, right, similar to with the Jabberwocky, or the Jabberwock. What we've got here is an innocent who has done nothing wrong but has drawn the ire of a poet. <laughs> the worst kind of ire there is. <laughs> One place you don't want to be is at the, the pointy end of a poet's ire. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of getting really cross about something and then just, just penning an acerbic poem in response. <laughs> I'll show that. Take, take that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I see bombed. Sorry. Again, no, it's right. Um, just the one. Just the one today. So yeah, and that was basically that's how I feel about this poem. I think McCavity. I'm not sure what the point of the poem is. 
the point of the poem appears to be slander against is, the cavity, yeah. dressed up as mystifying him. It describes the incompetence of the local police force. And that's it, really. I mean, really, in terms of cultural importance or significance, I'd say this has... Low? Yeah, low to none. They got a musical out of it, so... Also, well, it ends well. Generated some bunts. And that- I mean, like I say, TSA has got the wasteland in his back pocket anyway, so he can afford to be frivolous and cast aspersions at ginger cats. <laughs> Amongst others, because Mongo, Jerry and Griddlebone also... Also slagged off. A footnote in this list of unsubstantiated accusations. A harrowing tale of justice failed. That being said, cats generally are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear a bit about T.S. Eliot? Uh, yeah, go on then. T.S. Eliot was an American poet, critic and publisher and was born into a comfortable and historically distinguished family in St. Louis, Missouri in 1888. I don't know what historically distinguished means in the context of a family from Missouri in 1888. A country's only been knocking around for about 100 years yeah. by that point. So I don't know. I'm not going to dig any deeper though because that requires more work and I just haven't the time. Eliot studied at Smith Academy and then at Harvard, where he undertook an eclectic range of courses before settling on a BA in what would now be called comparative literature, and then did an MA in English literature. He spent a year studying at the Sorbonne in Paris and returned to Harvard to work on the philosophy of consciousness. This is influential in his earlier poetry, much of which is concerned with fractured perception and mental illness. Eventually, he settled in London, where his friend Conrad Aiken began one of the most important literary collaborations in Anglo-American poetry by showing Eliot's work to the poet Ezra Pound. In 1915, Poetry Magazine published The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Framed as a dramatic monologue, the speech is delivered by a frustrated, nervous, young upper-class man who is worried about ageing. In 1917, Eliot took a job at Lloyd's Bank, which gave him a secure income and time to return to his poetry. Then, in the spring of that year, he saw his first book published, Proofrock and Other Observations, printed by the literary journal The Egoist, of which Eliot was an editor. That's handy, isn't it? Mm. 1917 was also the year he took a job in the foreign section of Lloyd's Bank. His other famous employment was shaping 20th century English poetry as an editor at Faber. The Wasteland, 1922, often treated as Eliot's masterpiece, was edited into its final form by pound written in the aftermath of a mental breakdown it is a bleak disjointed distillation of Eliot's vast learning as a writer he has shaped the literary canon through essays lectures and his editorship of the journal criterion while works like practical cats 1939 show a lighter side to his talent four quartets 1943 a suite of poems structured in emulation of the music of Bach finds a moving new public voice to express both personal regrets and memories and the feelings of a nation during the Second World War. In 1927, Eliot was baptised into the Church of England. In 28, he took British citizenship and announced himself in the preface to his prose collection for Lancelot Andrews as a classicist in literature, royalist in politics, and Anglo-Catholic in religion. In 1948, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Hmm. To be honest with you, it doesn't sound like much of a laugh. No, it sounds quite intense. Quite intense, yeah. Apart from a cavity, slagging off the cats. Yeah. He died on the 4th of January, 1965, in Kensington, London. Nice bit of the world. Yeah, not too bad, eh? 
Do you want to give us your engineer's overview? Have you written one? I have written one, yeah. Yeah, I have. Oh, yes. Yeah. Lay it on me. Here it comes. I'm going to lay it on thick. For those of you who, who aren't aware, you're just getting into the Poetry Blokes podcast, welcome. Uh, at the end of each episode, I summarize the poem in, in an engineering fashion, a more succinct and accurate portrayal of what is being discussed. So, <laughs> McCavity, the mystery cat. Incompetent police, obsessed with catching criminals red-handed and not good old-fashioned detective work, blame a crime spree on a supposedly magical cat. The end. <laughs> Actually, that is the core of the poem, really. There's not much to add to that. Thanks very much. Tick. Job done Once there. Once again, my keen intellect cut the core of the issue. Well, thanks very much, Rich. Thanks, mate. It's been nice speaking to you. It's been a while. It's been great to catch up. Uh, and we should also say congratulations to Rich for becoming a father. Thanks, mate. Uh, I can't say I would recommend it as a course of action for others. <laughs> and, and well done to his wife, Steph, who did most of the hard work, from what I understand. I mean, she's very much the heavy lifting here in, a, in the advisory capacity. <laughs> Please join us next week when we look at Ozymandias by Percy Shelley. You're going to have to spell that one for me. O <laughs> Z Do you have a well-known poem you'd like us to discuss? Or maybe you've written your own engineer's overview you'd like to share. And if you have an embarrassing poetry-related story, well then you definitely have to get in touch. Go to poetryblokes.com forward slash submissions now to let us know all about it and you could play a part in the next show. Poetry Blokes is created and hosted by Matthew Adamo and Richard Gochran. Our theme music is Press Start by The Laszlo Project. Buy their music by going to bandcamp.com and searching The Laszlo Project. Our producer is Dominic Gore. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Poetry Blokes and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts.